And welcome, everybody. This is the Things Christians Want to Know podcast, and I am Nate Johnstone. And I am Paul Anderson. And I don't know what time of year you're listening to this, um, thanks to the beauty of the podcast format and binge listening. It could be any time of year. Mm -hmm. But uh, for us, as we are recording this, this is in the Advent season. And so we wanted to talk about the incarnation of the second person of the Trinity into Jesus Christ. And it is a big topic. Mm -hmm. It's an important topic. I dare say this is the most important thing that's ever happened in the world, uh, with the possible exception of then what followed 30-ish years later with the death and resurrection. But it was certainly the most important thing that had ever happened to the world at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a a pretty big deal. To me, the whole Old Testament points towards Jesus. Everything in there, everything in there from Genesis 1-1 all the way to the end, everything is pointing towards Jesus. That's the whole point of everything. Yeah. And so this Jesus moment, the moment of the incarnation is is more than a little thing. Yes. It's it's an absolutely massive massive thing. It's a mystery and it's a wonder and it's a glory. Many words. So many. To and, it. and before we start off this series, um I do want to say as sort of a caveat that we don't fully understand some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And we're not trying to state that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't understand how the Trinity works. I don't understand how Jesus can be 100% God and 100% man. I don't get it. I'm not sure that any of us can get it. I think it's, honestly, I, I think it's beyond the range of human understanding. Mm-hmm. And we have to take it on faith. That's what faith is for. And I'm going to share a lot of scriptures to, today that can help us understand mm-hmm. what is beyond understanding. Yeah. And so if if you don't, if you feel like you don't get it, well, how can Jesus be, he wasn't really God. He was just a guy who was God's guy, which is not true. Or, well, he was God. So, I mean, he was tempted by sin, but he wasn't actually tempted because he's God. How can God get tempted? Well, that's not true either. <laughs> he was both. And, and, and it's you tough know, to understand. But. It is hard to understand. And I think that's why you come up with sects who mm-hmm. tamper with it because it's beyond understanding. So they try to give it give it an explanation and they're way off. Right. And so you end up with folks who are whose Christology, uh, which is the theology of Christ, is that he is basically God with who's like invaded a human, or he's just God's chosen human. Mm-hmm. A but good, he's not, but a, he's not a divine. really good man. Oh yeah, super great man, best prophet ever. Yeah. Um, that's what Islam says. Um but that's all incorrect according to scripture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but you, you could sort of understand how, how you get there to, to either of those errors because it's hard to understand. It's like, well, yes. you got to pick one. How can he be both? Yes. That's the thing though. He is. That's the mystery. Yeah. And I'm, I have become comfortable with mystery. Mm-hmm. When I was in college, I wasn't as comfortable with mystery. I wanted to try to explain everything. So I really tried to figure this stuff out and it didn't work. Like I pretended it worked. I pretended it made me feel better now that I have it all written down. And it's like, I had like outlines and like diagrams and I'm like, okay, I think I know how all this works now. And I feel better. And then I'm like, but I don't think that's right. And I don't know that it matters whether or not I actually fully understand it because that's what faith is about. 
And mystery is an important New Testament word, as mm-hmm. you know. A mystery is something that remains a mystery even after revealed. It's not that we solved the mystery and now we understand right. everything. Right. It remains a mystery and we receive it by faith. And I'm getting goosebumps as I say that because we're talking, we're on holy ground mm-hmm. when we talk about this. I agree. I agree. And that's one of the things that really attracted me at the end of the day to Lutheran theology is that Lutheran theology is so okay with mystery that it actually really relishes it. Yes. You know? Yes. And so you, you know, can, you can some, th- some groups have problems with contradictions in the Bible and blah, blah, blah. And Lutherans are like, well, when, when Solomon said a kind word early in the morning is a blessing, and the next verse is a kind word early in the morning will be taken as a curse, he's not contradicting himself. They're both true. It depends on the person you're talking to. It depends on the day. It depends mm-hmm. on a lot of stuff. Like, there is gray, and there is mystery, and that's not bad. That's how God wanted it. And you know who's good at that? Who? A guy named Martin Luther. You ever heard of him? I have. And he understood mystery mm-hmm. and the fact that you don't explain it away or try to comprehend it with our two-by-four brain, but you you accept it as the revelation of God, which is beyond us. But here he is. And, and some people have hard, a hard time with that growing up in our, you know, post-intellectual, you know, uh, post-Reformation society where everything's about reason and intellect. Mm-hmm. But they, they, they're missing out on one of the most beautiful things in creation, and that is mystery. Mystery is, it is what it is, not just because we can't understand it, because God wanted it to be mysterious. Yes. And that's where faith comes into play. And if we can accept the mystery and accept the fact, humble ourselves to the point of saying, I don't understand exactly how this works, <laughs> but I know that it does. So I'm happy with that and I'm comfortable with all of that unknown. I think that's a beautiful thing. And I, I feel like the church in America has kind of tossed that away a lot of the time for, for the sake of wanting to have everything written down systematically. And I think it's sad. When you say that, you sound like a child. Mm-hmm. And we know the scripture that God hid these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Yeah. For such, it was well in your sight or was precious in your sight. So Jesus was marveling at that and would always take the disciples who were always reaching up and he was telling them to reach down to become born like a child. Yeah, so, which is interesting. And I... And I think that's reinforced by the fact that Jesus didn't choose the cream of the crop intellectuals mm-hmm. to be his leadership team. Mm-hmm. You know, that was one of the points <laughs> that that the um, the Jewish church leadership freaked out about at the time. It's like, these are unlearned men. Yes. And they are turning Jerusalem upside down. This is not supposed to happen. We don't like this. That's a really good point. Can I put in a commercial? Yeah. You gave a powerful message at Lydia House two weeks ago, and I think at some point you should tell them how they could access. I didn't hear the second one, but the first one was really moving about the incarnation, and it would be helpful to put that out so people can hear that. Sure, yeah. You can uh, check out the website, LydiaHouseChurch.org, and that would have been the December... What date was that? It was uh, 
I'm checking my calendar here because my brain can't do this many things at once. It would have been December. Oh, December 1st. Yeah, the December 1st and December 8th sermons were about the incarnation. If you can't listen to both, do the first because that's the one I heard. And Yeah, well, the first one focused on the incarnation itself and the mm-hmm. humility of Jesus. The second one focused on uh, the other characters, namely the wise men and Herod mm-hmm. and a little bit about Joseph. Um, and last week you talked about Mary, mm-hmm. Mary and Joseph, which was excellent. And so there's a lot of things, a lot of characters in this story. We know a lot of them. We're going to talk about some of them over the next uh, few sessions. I think we'll probably just stick on this topic for a little while because it is such a big one. Yes. So where where do you want to take us next? Well, John speaks five powerful words mm-hmm. in his gospel, and the word became flesh. You've heard of chili con carne, chili with flesh, with meat. Here we have God con carne. He had lived forever in unapproachable light. No one had ever seen him. He had been with his father in creation, and then he became a part of it. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. That the designer of the universe would move among his creation and that he would not even be recognized. Yeah. We would expect him to be recognized if God comes among human beings This is because he came as a baby, not as super God, which he will come at the second coming. He will come as super God. But with his birth, the mighty one showed up incognito. So he took on flesh. The untouchable could now be touched. The one who inhabits eternity entered time. The one whose voice once shook the earth cooed in the hearing of human ears. It's really, I mean, there's a reason this story is so beloved. Oh my. You know, um, it's, it's really amazing. The, and John in, in John chapter one really makes a point of saying, look, he created everything without him. Nothing that is, was made that has been made. Okay. Jesus created everything. And now he becomes a part of creation. It's really strange. Um, I actually just thought of this. I'm sure many have thought of this before me, <laughs> but uh, there's a show on TV called Undercover Boss, which is where the boss of a company, usually the CEO of a large, large company, um, dresses up as a dock worker or somebody in the warehouse or somebody on the sales team and goes in as a worker under a different name and just to get to know the people, to work with them for a while. And then at the end of the show, they do this big reveal. Ha, I'm the boss. I'm mm-hmm. the CEO. And then he says things and and it's, you know, supposed to be interesting. Um, and, you know, Jesus invented that idea. Mm-hmm. He's like, look, I'm the creator. I'm the boss. And now I'm going to enter creation and become one of you. Um, he didn't do it for a TV show or ratings or publicity, but he did it to show us the way and to make a way for us to go from being creation to family, a new type of creation, mm-hmm. which is very interesting to me. So Jesus created everything, and then he became a part of that creation in the incarnation, and then we become a recreation through him. And that's a theme that John sort of weaves through there that I've always found really cool. Yeah. I would say that the Father did it, and Jesus said yes to it. The Father asked him to do it, and he said, okay. So, 
That that could be. It's that that's it's origination is a difficult one. Sure. I think that's that's possible. I mean, th- this idea obviously ha- started a long long time ago because before the foundation of the world Christ was crucified. Mm-hmm. And so before they even started on project fourth dimensional universe, they had already known what was going to happen mm-hmm. and the crucifixion was already decided by then. Mm-hmm. But I agree that I think um if you want to look at it from a Trinitarian point of view, Jesus created everything. And then the father said, now we need someone to go ransom the creation. And he volunteered. I love singing the carols. And thank you for doing those every week these days, uh, every Sunday, because there's so much thick theology. And I love the second verse of Hark the Herald, Angels Sing, Wesley Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail, incarnate. There's that word, incarnation. Mm-hmm. Incarnate, in flesh. Hail, incarnate deity. So he's God and he's flesh. We have trouble with that. We can, we can <laughs> handle God yeah. and we can handle flesh, but flesh in the scripture is something physical and the Bible says God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So to bring those together, that bothers our brain cells. Yeah, that's that's not something that we're uh, we're we're used to or we're ready to grasp. Which is why it gets tampered with. Yeah, and I even I even wonder. I mean, people speculate about this, but I wonder if in the first century, you know, so the people who were there when Jesus was born, I wonder how many of them were expecting an incarnation Oh, versus a super prophet and maybe God himself visiting the people like the Shekinah glory kind of in the temple sort of deal. That's what they knew. I think that was probably what they were thinking in their head. Mm -hmm. Most of them, when they thought of Messiah was Moses. Some sort of awesome mixture of Moses and David, a deliverer and a king mm-hmm. to sit on the throne. And he's God's Superman, God's super prophet. But the idea of an actual incarnation of God himself becoming a human, I don't think no. that was really on their radar, at least no. not fully. No, no, I, I, think, I think Messiah ended up being far more than they thought he was going to be. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, doing fewer things than they were wanting him to do, maybe yeah. not liberating them from Rome. But it, it's it's interesting, and I think the angels maybe even didn't even know. You know, it's it's just it's really. I think God kept this as a secret. Mm-hmm. I think the incarnation, in some ways, was a mystery that was just becoming revealed for the first time. And I think all creation looked on. And was like, what? I like the way John describes it both in his gospel and in his letter. This is the way he starts his letter. That which was from the beginning. So there you've got God back before time was, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands. So the untouchable. Now, the unreachable becomes within reach. Yeah. 
concerning the word of life, and the life was made manifest, and we saw it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That's how he begins. Mm -hmm. That's a great beginning. And did you catch the sense orientation there, that God has become verifiable? The inscrutable can now be scrutinized. I love the word Emmanuel. Emmanuel, with us, El, Elohim. With us, God, Emmanuel. Yeah, it's interesting. It reminds me a little bit of Luke, actually who tends to look at things from a more, what I would call, scientific kind of perspective. Mm-hmm. Matthew isn't concerned about that in the slightest. Mark doesn't seem to be either. Um, but the others are like, you know, no, this is this is like a real thing, and it's actually kind of a big deal. Because we all worship God, but nobody ever sees him. And these days there aren't a ton of miracles going on. So mm-hmm. there's not a lot of verifiable proof. But this guy was real. This is his brother, Jude, right here. That's his brother, James. That's his mom, Mary. I hung out with him for three and a half years. Okay. And there are witnesses to that. And we all saw the miracles. We all saw that he wasn't a ghost. He was a guy. Like he was solid. And that's that's something they hadn't seen before, hadn't experienced before. And John thinks it's a big deal. Yes. And the last thing that they then expected mm-hmm. was that he would die. They, they couldn't grasp it. No, no. And Peter certainly makes that clear when he's like, no, we'll never let that happen to you. Don't even worry about that. Yeah. You know, and Jesus is like, you guys are missing the point. And you can't blame them. I mean, once, once they fully grasp that this is God, like, all right, awesome. He's, he's come. Let's do this stuff, man. Let's get rid of these super evil pagan Romans who are oppressing everybody mm-hmm. and murdering our people. Mm-hmm. That's like, Definitely step one, right? Yes. And then we'll like do the whole throne of David thing and we'll be awesome. This is going to be great. And the plan instead was that he'd be horribly tortured and humiliated and crucified. And that wasn't on their radar. <laughs> yes. I'm thinking of Hebrews 2, 14, where it says that since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same nature that through death he might destroy him who has the power of death, that is the devil. Mm-hmm. So he, he had to come. Humans, die, humans sin, humans die. God doesn't die. God's eternal. So God couldn't do it, but we couldn't do it. So it would take someone who is both God and man. Mm-hmm. Never before, never since. That's pretty incredible. Because he was God, he could defeat the devil. And because he was man, he could step into the race and begin a new destiny as the second Adam. A man alone could not represent both sides. The God-man brought them together. So Jesus took on flesh, the Father didn't. People casually say they know God, referring to him as the man upstairs are in for a great surprise. No man can see God and live. 
unless they come to God through Jesus Christ. The awesome holiness of the unapproachable God will cause them to shudder in terror for all eternity. No one in the Old Testament thought it was possible to see God. He was too far removed, too different, too distant. And that there is God, there is Jesus. John writes, no one has ever seen God, but then it goes on, the only Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has made him known. So you can't you can't know God apart from the one apart who came, yeah. who was born, who lived, who grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. He changed his he outgrew his sandals. You know he yep. he he got bigger and and he even learned new things. It says he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Yeah. So he didn't test out. You know, you might have thought that God would right. test out of, of the problems of humanity. He embraced them to the full. And he was tempted, it says, in all ways like we are. I agree. And I think that's that's a big difficult thing for it's a lot a of It's a very folks. difficult. Because when you talk about, you know, I'm going through this horrible situation and it's really difficult, trauma, grief, something like that. Jesus knows what you're experiencing. Yeah, but he was God, it doesn't count. Well, his best friend Lazarus died, and it said Jesus wept, and that was genuine. Yeah, he knew he was going to raise him from the dead. If you can just snap your fingers and do whatever you want, you're never really going to suffer, is the, is the idea. Uh, but that's not true. That's not how, Jesus didn't walk around in full God mode. Mm-hmm. He, he emptied himself. He emptied himself prior to going. So yeah. he, didn't, he didn't have his cheat codes on. He turned all that down. Mm-hmm. He turned every all the dimmer switches down. He turns one back up, or rather the father does, I think, um, on the Mount of Transfiguration. And you You're see right. that, and all of a sudden he glows bright, and they can't even look at him. And, and it's like, God, turn that dial back up just to mm-hmm. remind, I think, Peter, James, and John, who they're talking to, because Elijah and Moses are there. And Peter's like, this is awesome. Elijah and Mo are here. They're, they're my two <laughs> yeah. favorites. Yeah. Eli and Mo forever. Let's build some tabernacles. Let's hang out here. And the father says, this is my son. Yes. Listen to him. Yes. And they disappear. E- Eli and Mo are cool, but listen to him. Mm-hmm. And I think that was what the turning up the juice was about. And then he turns it back down. Yeah. And he comes back down the mountain. Um, and that, you, you see that in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yep. Where he picks his three closest. They go with him. And he says, my soul is very sorrowful, even unto death. I mean, he it looked like he could have died in the garden. He was sweating blood. What does it take? What kind of pressure to, mm-hmm. to sweat blood? And the angels had to come and minister to him. It, he, he could have been close. Mm-hmm. And that was real. That was genuine sorrow. Absolutely that was real. genuine suffering. He suffered. Um, and that's it's hard for people to imagine God being willing to suffer. Yeah. And I agree, it is hard. <laughs> it's hard to imagine. But yeah. that's the kind of God he is. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole creation, uh, the whole birth story, the whole incarnation leading up to the cross that's all about this incredibly humble God who demonstrates his power through sacrifice and humility. And that can be a tremendous encouragement 
to us when we suffer, to those who are listening who are going through very difficult times, because he is especially near to those who suffer. Mm -hmm. The psalmist says he is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. So we can never say no one understands. Jesus, the God-man, the Son of God, the Son of Man, knows. He's been there. Paul, why don't you pray that for, for us and for those who are listening, um, whether it's around Christmas time or not, those who've suffered trauma and suffered loss, why don't you pray for, pray for that comfort? Yeah, I'm, I'm deeply moved by what we have talked about, and I know that we've got several more sessions. Father, we give thanks and praise to you that you authored this incredible revelatory plan, this plan that sent your only son to earth, humiliated through his life, through an illegitimate birth, so to speak, through his life, and then humiliated by terrible Roman death. But he did it because it was your plan to redeem humanity. And we thank you that in our sorrow, in our suffering, you come near to us. We pray for those who are struggling, even as they're hearing what we're talking about. We pray that you would draw near to them and that your son Jesus would comfort them in their loss, in their need, in their struggles, and give them hope that goes even beyond death into eternal life. We bless your holy name. Amen. Amen. That is it for this episode of Things Christians Want to Know. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to questions at tcwkcast.com. We publish every Thursday, so tell your friends and please rate us on iTunes. That's really helpful for us. Additional information, including links to Nate's blog, Paul's blog, etc., can be found on tcwkcast.com. God bless.